We're ready. Hey everyone, Rob Clark and Ed Katz back with you for another episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. Ed, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. Hello everyone. Hello, Rob. Well, this is a, uh, a little milestone for us. We, we started this podcast uh, a while back and uh, this actual recording is podcast episode number 10. We have hit double digits, my friend. Yeah, it seemed like just minutes ago we recorded number nine. I, you know, of course, at my age, time really flies. But doesn't it <laughs> seem like it was just minutes ago we did podcast nine it, about the uh, mover audit form? It does, and uh, I think when you're just having fun and, and you're you're doing it with somebody you just enjoy being around, me Ed, uh, you just you know it seems like it never stops. Oh yes, that's the <laughs> main reason. Absolutely. Well, we we talked about episode nine, and that's where we talked about the most magnificent marketing tool you could use. Um, we're kind of staying on that topic of marketing tool. The title of this episode is doing good is good for business. Another unique marketing tool. So just the title alone makes you go, okay, there's, there's gotta be some background, some story here. Doing good is good for business. We all, well, okay. What does he mean by that? So jump in, Ed, what do you got? Well, unlike the marketing tool that I described and talked about in podcast nine, where I didn't develop that till years after I sold my moving company in Atlanta. This one, thank goodness, we used uh, many, many times for at least eight years uh, while I still had my moving company. It is, this, is this the marketing tool, if I remember right, that you kind of had an encounter of the strangest kind back in the early 90s when you kind of got the idea for this one? You are spot on, as they would say in Mississippi. You're right on the target, right on the bullseye. Okay, so what was that encounter that you had? Well, I, I have this written down. I have a crib note here <laughs> so I can remember the numbers. But it was August 27th, 1992. And I was out and about doing what I was loving to do back in those days, doing estimates for local office moves. And as I was driving around Atlanta, I said to myself, my goodness, there must be a big Home Depot trade show or some event in Florida because I saw almost a hundred Home Depot tractor trailers heading south on 85 or heading south on 75 heading towards Florida. And those are the two main interstate highways. They go right through the heart of Atlanta. And I just, I mean, over a period of a few hours, I kept seeing these Home Depot tractor trailers heading south. So inquisitive that I was and still am, I had to find out where were they all going and why. And then I found out the rest of the story. Back in 1992 in August, I think it was the third, third week in August, a terrible hurricane by the name of Hurricane Andrew hit South Florida and caused terrible destruction, devastation, and loss of life. I think they said more than 75,000 homes were either destroyed or severely damaged. And at least 65 people lost their lives and many others were severely injured because of the hurricane. And the reason Home Depot was having all these trucks go south to Florida was they were raiding the inventory 
their lumber, their nails, their screws, their power tools, their generators, their roof tarps. They were raiding the inventory of all the stores from the surrounding areas in the South, from North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia, and sending it down to help the victims in South Florida. And the reason this was so incredible was Home Depot didn't charge a penny more for the material after the hurricane that they charged. They charged the same price as they charged before Hurricane Andrew. And the reason I bring that up is this. Many hardware stores in South Florida that still survived the hurricane significantly raised the price of all the material they sold to these poor victims. They were price gouging. They were operating like a black market. I mean, when I tell you four or 500% more, you know, if a generator before Hurricane Andrew cost $350, they were charging $1,200. And lumber that was, you know, I don't know, $6 for a two by four that was 10 feet long, they were charging $20 per board. I mean, this is the type of price gouging that was going on. Yet Home Depot didn't raise the price of anything and had ample inventory for everyone because of what they did by raiding the stores. Well, in the meantime, the local media, well, really the national media, camped out in South Florida to, you know, show the devastation and destruction and loss of life. And there were some reporters that went undercover. They went undercover, Rob, and they had concealed microphones and cameras and went into the stores that were doing the price gouging and exposed them on the news. And in the meantime, they interviewed management people from Home Depot. So here you had in the same news clip on television, on the radio, they'd show the bad guys, most of the other hardware stores, and then the good guy, Home Depot. And you couldn't have purchased, you couldn't have bought better public relations. You couldn't have purchased better advertising. And that's not why Bernie Marcus, who was running Home Depot, did it. He did it because he was a good Samaritan and his people all supported him and backed him. And I, I bet he didn't even know about the price gouging. He was just trying to get supplies down there because demand people needed it. They were, you know, they were in I, dire straits. You're a hundred percent correct. You're spot on. And that's why he did it. And then, you know, here the aftermath was, he did a good deed and it came back tenfold because it really helped his, his brand, his corporate brand and loyalty of his customers. So hearing that story uh, makes me think of a question. And then it, it also gives me this comment. Uh, it really ties into the title of this podcast. Doing good is good for business. It makes sense now uh, after hearing the story about Home Depot. But the question it, it gets me to ask is, Okay, that, that was a great story and a, and a great thing to see and hear about. But how in the world does that tie into what did you come up with that made you go, I can use this experience of seeing this to come up with something in the commercial relocation arena? You know, Rob, I just realized I've been flapping my jaw for the last 10 or 15 minutes. You tired? I'm not tired, but I think our listeners are probably tired. Maybe we should wait till the next podcast for me to tell you about the, the, the way I leveraged this, this whole thing that Bernie Marcus and Home Depot did to come up with a unique marketing tool. Should we I, wait till the next podcast? I don't know if that would be a good idea, Ed. I think people are 
turning the volume up a little bit, putting their ear a little closer, listening intensely. So I think uh, you you might want to go ahead and pass that information along. I think they're looking forward to it. Uh, <laughs> well, I took it one step further, and I developed, created our moving company's disaster recovery program. And what I did was I knocked on the doors of many landlords, many property managers, many building managers, directors of property management. And I'd go in, I'd say, I just want to thank you and your management people for recommending our moving company to your tenants when they move in and out of your building. And as a token of our appreciation, we have created our free, that's F-R-E-E, our free disaster recovery program just for you. And, And here's how it will work. If God forbid you have a fire or a flood, you know, a broken pipe and there's water everywhere, or in Atlanta we had tornadoes, if you have tornado damage, wind damage, whatever, and you need to call a moving company after hours, you know, if it happens at night or on a weekend, and you know, you'll if it's a water damage, you probably would call a plumber and you'd call service master, but you might need to have a mover come in and move the furniture around while they you know, clean up the mess. If you were to call the other moving companies nights or weekends, you probably would get no answer. But as part of our disaster recovery program, if you sign up with us at no additional charge for participating in our disaster recovery program, you'll have somebody from our company, one of our managers that you can call And that employee, our manager, will have the employee roster of all of our employees and their phone numbers and call them so we can get a moving crew out to your building and help salvage whatever has to be done, move the furniture around, move it to another floor, store it, whatever you want us to do. And it's not going to cost you anything additional for enrolling in this program. All we would charge you is the same rates just like bernie marcus right we're going to charge you the same rates that we would normally charge for a move that occurs nights weekends or holidays how do you feel about that do you think that's something they would like i think they would be all over that i mean who who doesn't want uh, a source to be able to reach out to you quickly when when they're in need of something to to be handled really quick And when I gave them the form to fill out, we made it very clear on the form that we would do what we could to try to reach a crew and try to get our guys to come in and try to get them to go out to service their needs. Did you hear the word try, T-R-Y? We didn't guarantee that we'd have a crew out there. We said we'll do what we can to try to get you a crew to help move the furniture around so that you can have the other service providers clean up the mess. So I went and make it perfectly clear. I was not inviting litigation. You got it? In case we, we didn't get a crew together. Well, and, and, and also, you know, when you talk about a turn, a tornado or a hurricane or fl- a massive flood in an area, uh, you know, it's kind of first come first serve, right? You're going to, you're going to get to those people who call you first and, uh, you only have so many resources yourself. Yeah. Good point. Really good point. Okay. So Ed, what about the uh, what about the the building managers that uh, weren't recommending you? I mean, did you 
go by and drop them this off as well? Or, and I mean, how did you even know if they were in the first place at these buildings? Have you ever gone into a grocery store, a national chain, and you look on the floor and they'll be laminated on the floor, um, a can of peas or a can of green beans or something they want you to buy. And there's nobody on the loudspeaker saying, hey, buy green giant peas today. But I've noticed on the floor in a supermarket or sometimes you'll walk by one of the shelves and a red LED light is flashing at you where it draws your attention to look at the product that's on that shelf. That's like what I call subliminal or very subtle advertising. Okay. And there's nobody on a loudspeaker. There's nobody standing up on a soapbox saying, Hey, buy this today because no, this is very low key, very subtle. Well, I took that concept. And when I would visit building managers, I would say as a token of our appreciation for your recommending us to your tenants who are moving in and out of your building all the time, we want to offer you our free disaster recovery program. Never did any one of them ever say, Hey, we never recommend you or that's not us. No, it was just subliminal promotion is what I was putting that in their mind. If they weren't recommending us, Hey, we're doing you guys a favor. How about recommending us? This is what I was doing well, through a back door. Do you got it? And they felt like they were getting something too. Well, they were getting something. It was so they didn't incredible. want to lose that opportunity or turn that away. They wanted to right. see what they were getting. Yep. You're right about that. Yeah. That's a great way to do it, Ed. Um, but what about uh, the property managers you didn't visit uh, since it was before the internet, you know, and you couldn't just get the word out real quick. How did you spread the word back then? We followed that up. We mailed out over a hundred letters to all the building managers in metropolitan Atlanta, explaining the concept, the disaster recovery program, just like I did on, you know, on this, on this podcast, but it was in, in writing and we got a 37% reply where they filled out the form and mailed it back. And of course we then logged it in and we, I say logged it in. I'm using a word that wasn't around in 1992. <laughs> I think we didn't log it in. We wrote it down and kept the record. And we registered them as, uh, as I guess, in a way, clients of ours for the disaster recovery program. Yeah, I'm sure you had a specific file for all participants in that program. Probably put it in an alphabetical order. So if some a company, you know, ABC, ABC uh, Pest Control called, you just go to A and find them and then be able to, you know, take care of them that way. You know something? I am having a flashback. We did one more thing. We gave each of them a code, a code that would verify and validate that it was really a legitimate call from one of their employees because not that I think my competition would ever do anything dirty or mean to us, but we didn't want one of the other movers impersonating a building manager and say, Hey, we're at, uh, uh, ABC office building in Buckhead in Atlanta. And we just had a flood. How soon can you get movers out of here? And it wasn't really a building manager or an employee of the property management company. Instead, it was one of our competitors trying to really upset our program. So we gave each and every one of these building managers, not just our phone number, but a specific code 
they had to either say some words or a number, which told us that it was like a legitimate call. How do you like that for being cynical? That's what happens after living in New York for four years. You become cynical. <laughs> well, and, you know, we don't, we haven't used that, but I like that idea, Ed. What we typically do is give three people's name on the list who are authorized to call in and request services. So whoever called in had to be one of those three people listed on the form that could ask for those emergency services. Yeah. But here's my question to you. This is uh, to building managers and property managers, which is great. But what we started doing, Ed, was, you know, doing this with the client themselves. So when we would go out and give a proposal, uh, we would include this. So when we gave the, uh, the quote, the proposal, part of the document that we would include would be this particular document for the client to go over it with them. Because whether we booked the business or not, this could still be an opportunity down the road that we would want to have for that client. Uh, obviously, we hope we, we booked that move. But I think it was also a benefit that they saw in doing business with us, an added benefit when we offered a service like that in conjunction with providing the proposal. So, I think that's a brilliant idea, and I'm sorry. I didn't think of it way back when, but we did do one other thing. We did, related to that, we identified our 10 largest clients, and we mailed or visited, I don't remember, the, we offered the same disaster, pro, disaster recovery program to them too. And one of the clients that we had was a company called Knowledgeware. And you're not familiar with Knowledgeware, I'm sure, but you might know the founder of Knowledgeware. His name was uh, Fran Tarkington, and he was a famous football quarterback. And he owned Knowledgeware, or he founded it, started it. And they had two or three floors in a building called Tower Place. Well, we had given them and they had enrolled in our disaster recovery program. And one Sunday evening, I got a call at home from the contact from Knowledgeware that they had a disaster in their office. Apparently on Saturday morning, sometime Saturday morning when their office was closed, they had a plumber go into their space they had three floors and their bathrooms and their water fountain was inside their space. Well, they had a plumber um, attach a water filter to their water fountain and then left and locked up the office and you know left. Well, sometime between the time the plumber installed the water filter and six o'clock at night on Sunday, the water leaked from the water filter and flooded the floor. And it was so much water that was spewing out of this uh, leaking pipe that it finally reached the stairwell. Now they were on the 10th floor of Tower Place. So, you know, in an office building between floors, there's not one flight, there's two flights of steps. So it had to trickle down the stairwell, the emergency stairwell, 20 flights, and it came out into the lobby where there was a full-time security guard and the security guard apparently saw the water coming from the stairwell. So he left his post. He followed the trail of the water up the 20 flights, looked through the glass door at Knowledgeware Space and saw an inch or two of water inside the space. And that's when Knowledgeware 
personnel were called, and that's when they, in return, called us. By 9 o'clock that night, we got a crew of four movers out to Knowledgeware Space. And they had service master there and, of course, a plumber there. And so we were moving furniture around, I believe. I don't know how we did it. We put the furniture up on blocks so they could vacuum up the water and dry out the carpet. And they had fans going. And it was quite a disaster. Well, anyhow, what I did was I created kind of like an article, a newsletter about that. And I mailed it out to everyone we had offered our disaster recovery program too. All those letters we sent out before, we sent them out again as a follow-up and said, hey, by the way, this is what happened. So here we got an additional 23% of all the building managers who received it to sign up for a disaster recovery program. And it was just another way we cemented our great relationship with building managers. It wasn't just, they're just a mover. They're a mover who is interested in solving our client's worst nightmares and problems. Well, that could be an episode. Yeah, well, that <laughs> that's I think that's what branding is. We we call that branding today, but back in 1992, there was no such thing as branding, but it it really made the building management personnel kind of like codependent on having a good relationship with us because we were there to help them in in the event there there was a disaster. Well, and, and the thing I want to, you know, just drive home as people are hearing this ed is you know okay it sounds cool it's a lot of work you know you got to do all these letters and get it out and da, 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 da. it works it absolutely works and it's not just for those markets like houston that you know deal with a lot of hurricanes or along the gulf coast that deal with hurricanes or tornadoes or whatever it might be you would be absolutely surprised at all the emergencies that tenants and buildings have that require, you know, quick service for different, and, and typically, Ed, uh, for me, it's, it's been mostly flooding, you know, a pipe breaks or some plumbing was done on the floor above. And like you said earlier, and the, the plumber didn't put something back right. And so the water is leaking through the floor right over where the uh, gas control room is, you know, in the oil business, which is a huge deal uh, and things like that. So, it works. It's just a program that when these people have this and can reach out to you and get res- uh, the response they need very quickly, um, it's just something they appreciate. And it's, uh, it's something that uh, just, you know, it builds a little bit of loyalty, builds a little bit of that trust with, from them to you. And, and uh, it's, a, it's a great thing that you've come up with. Thank you. And I will connect two dots for you. My tire company, our service provider, before I hired them, my question to all these tire dealerships in Atlanta, if I get a flat tower, tire on a truck, it's 11 o'clock Friday night and we're an hour from base, do you have a service vehicle and personnel that you could call to go out and change a tire? And if they said no, we'd never considered buying tires from them. But if they said yes, they were on a short list as to who we would buy our tires from, because that was the kind of disaster we would encounter, right? Owning a moving company with moving vans. Right. Makes perfect sense. So you have the, so we were, it wasn't, we weren't shopping just price. We were shopping service first and then price. And that's the real world. Ed, that was a real fun episode. I think it's another one that uh, when people listen, I think they will, based on the title, they're going to appreciate uh, 
what you've come up with and, and this information that you're passing along, because this is another great tool for them to use in trying to, you know, build their reputation and at the same time, get some more business. It's a great differentiator. And we keep talking about that in earlier podcasts, differentiate yourself from the competition. Absolutely. And if you want more great ideas and more information, check Ed out at, well, Ed, I don't want to do it for you. Where do they check you out? www.officemoves.com. And if they want to call you and say hello and see how you're doing? 404-358-2172. And I'm going to repeat that. 404-358-2172. Well, everybody, give Ed a call. Go to his website. Uh, You won't be disappointed. Some great information, some great techniques and uh, processes that he helps you implement in your company. And they do. They are absolutely uh, worth the investment and they do pay off. Ed, thanks so much. Had a lot of fun as usual. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. And until our next episode, go sell another move. <laughs>